hello out there to all of you fine podcast appreciating people. This is a Strange Tonic Podcast. Thank you for getting into it. Thank you to our friends, Pan Astral, for allowing us to use their music on our podcast. We are using their song throughout this episode, Animal, off of their currently most recent album, Suburban Blues. But they've got new album dropping soon, at least I suppose they are, because they have dropped a new single, They've also got a new show coming up at the High Dive in Denver on October 19th. So if you are there, head to the High Dive in Denver on October 19th. Check it out. Head to their website, panastral.com, panastral on iTunes, panastral on Bandcamp, panastral on SoundCloud to get their music because panastral is amazing. And we are just so, 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 so happy to be able to feature the music and just proud because they're they're a good band. Uh, From there, I keep trying to bring this up, but I keep kind of failing. Um, I'm just going to leave you with this. On Mark Maron's podcast, maybe about a year or so ago, maybe just a few months ago, but it felt felt like a while because I don't know about all of you, but this... You know, whole Trump thing. Every day seems like a week. Every week seems like a month. Every month seems like a year. And, uh, yeah. So, when Mark Aaron says something like, he doesn't always want to learn, but he always wants to feel. That struck a chord with me. And I feel like it struck a chord with a lot of us. And from reading a bunch of books recently, I think he's not wrong. I think there's a lot of us out there that we want to feel informed. We want to feel angry or anything, but we don't necessarily want to learn. And I think learning is much more important than feeling. And I hope that uh, Michelle and I are helping you all out with that. And I hope that I'm getting better at that myself. From there, um, yes, I've rambled on too long. This is a conversation. Enjoy, and thank you for listening to us. I want to do, but I just oh, wanted God. to make sure we started off with uh, the fact that the uh, you know awesome man that was Burt Reynolds, or at least a symbol that was Burt Reynolds, passed away today. And I was just thinking that, and I'm not saying this like as out of like disrespect for John McCain or even like that I laud. Uh, anything that Burt Reynolds did more than McCain, but I'm almost more saddened by his passing because I didn't like you know, McCain had been sick and, he, and brain cancer goes pretty fast. 
So when I saw that, I was like, oh, like it made me think of not even just him, but all of the Norm Macdonald as Burt Reynolds stuff. Like, Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't even realize he was even that old. No, everyone I else no I texted was like, what happened? 80s. I was like, he was 82. Oh. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> he was in his eighties. Uh, yeah, it is. It is sad, and uh, you know, that's that's what our lifetime is going to be from here on out. Is just watching, you know, old stars and you know, or in the that we all get a kick out of. You know, they're they're going to start disappearing on us. So, sad. I mean, it was, I guess, not the same like feeling of the same feeling of loss and almost dread I felt when I rolled over you know, the bed in the morning because I heard my phone going off and saw a text from my dad say just so you know Anthony Bourdain is dead was like oh, crap. Yeah. like you know uh, like he he was a fair amount younger um, but as you, know, you and I talked about before if there was someone who was going to do Anthony Bourdain and it was probably going to be Anthony Bourdain like that guy that guy lived yeah. a life, man. Um, same with that's what I felt about uh, Burt Reynolds. Like he, uh, I know he's had his issues and he's almost been a punchline himself. But it, dude, partied hard and uh, you know, he made it to eighty two. <laughs> so yeah, um, rest in peace, uh, yeah. bandits. And I will always think of you as Turd Ferguson. And I don't mean that in <laughs> any disrespect. I, I think Norm uh, McDonald just did a great job of it wasn't even making fun of you just making fun of an idea of you sorry you, oh, crap i think you got a weak signal okay can you hear oh, now I, I can there i can see i can see it there we go <laughs> you, can, you can see my face huh? yep he never took himself too seriously and that is a quality to be admired indeed in fact um before uh Norm Macdonald was unceremoniously fired from SNL because the guy who ran NBC was a golfing buddy of OJ goddamn Simpson. Um, uh, they had, I guess they had this idea together, both Norm Macdonald and Burt Reynolds, that Burt Reynolds was actually going to appear as himself on SNL's Celebrity Jeopardy and come out and get in a fight with Norm Macdonald as Burt Reynolds. Like, you know what yeah. the kind of what could have been but it was still fantastic <laughs> and yeah i mean he, he didn't take himself too seriously there is the one like thing where he i guess talked down to a, a it was a japanese reporter who had no idea what the longest yard was like the original film <laughs> which um i not to speak ill of the dead here was not a fant well neither one of those were fantastic films but the first one wasn't that great either but um yeah. Um, rest in peace, Burt Reynolds, Turd Ferguson, whatever. Um, and then, Michelle, unless you want to get into something first, I, I think we can't not uh, go into this, which is who do you think penned that now? Well, it's going to be infamous forever, but like <laughs> the op-ed, which was meant to show that, well, basically Trump was going nuts because he wanted to tell everyone that no, Bob Woodward's a liar. I'm not a petulant child who everyone has to hide things from because I'm an idiot. Uh -huh. By confirming Bob Woodward's work reporting and showing that he's a pet petulant child with a horrible temper who 
has to be coddled at all terms. So with that, yeah. who do you, like, do you have any ideas? I mean, it, not even saying like you, you have to be accurate. Like we can do like conspiracy theories or who would be funny if it would be. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, do you have like a person you think it is? Cause I really don't like, I, I don't have a name that pops in my head. <laughs> no, I, I really don't either. Uh, I think the most compelling argument just based off of people analyzing the vocabulary is that potentially Mike Pence or maybe someone who works closely with Mike Pence mm-hmm. uh, because of certain terminology in the op-ed that really only he is known for using. Yes. So I think that's argumentative and I would, <laughs> I don't know if I would love it or hate it if it was Mike Pence. But, um, I honestly don't have any ideas either. It could be any one of those clowns. It, it- really could be. <laughs> and I think it's funny that like a lot of like the speculations going on is the clowns that I don't think it is like mm-hmm. Ben Carson or Rick Perry, who I forgot was even in this administration. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he's still running around doing stuff. <laughs> he <Perry>. is. You know, <laughs> a, and a noted oops guy is uh, running around controlling uh department of energy for right. some reason. No, I was actually um, before I like, we started this uh, podcast conversation. I was on the phone with my sister and she was like, oh, what are you going to talk about in the podcast? And I was saying, oh, well, we can't not talk about the op-ed. <laughs> and she was like, well, I don't want to get ahead of anything. I don't want like, you, to, you know, to ruin the podcast for me like, when it gets to it. But what do you think? And uh-huh. I, I'm the same with you. It was like, it's you know, using things like first principles in language like that. Like this has to be and you know. I didn't think Mike Pence had the Francis Underwood in him to pull this off himself. <laughs> and my sister was like, well, it could be his deputy or some of his staff. I'm like, that's a very good point. Like, right. Because I, the first person I thought of like first principles and like all this other shit, this is what he's done. Like, this is what that reads like. So right. that, I, I think that's a good guess. Um, my favorite kind of like random, not random guesses, but like, most conspiratorial guesses are uh-huh. that it's Kellyanne Conway doing right. this to like, you know, not piss off her husband anymore, yeah. which I, I think Kellyanne has no shame. So I don't think that's, that's going to happen. But, um, and then my most favorite conspiracy theory is that it was Stephen Miller with a false flag operation. Ugh, <laughs> Batman references here, but, um, you know, you know, burn the forest down or whatever. Like he's telling him, like, if you want to find the jewel thief, you have to like basically get rid of his habitat. So, right. um, I, I like that. I, I don't think Stephen Miller tends to write mostly racist shit. So I don't think he's that <laughs> intelligent to actually not, uh, invoke white, uh, nationalism in an op-ed where he's pretending to be somebody else. Right. One of the things though, I'm looking at a CNN, um, uh, right now where it's 13 people there speculating who it is i find (laughs) um dan coates a very interesting mention like i don't think it was necessarily dan coates himself but he's a long time republican um who i don't think really fits in the mold of the trump white house so maybe him or someone else around him plus he's protecting people like mattis and the intelligence apparatus so I, i like that but uh no this is I still think it's going to be somebody that, you know, if we actually heard it, would go, oh, okay. But like right off the top of our heads, we're just like, that doesn't make sense. 
oh my gosh, the CNN thing, the last one they have up is Melania Trump, which she's not going to discuss first principles. Come on. No. And that's that not, no sense. That's that's not a knock good. against her intelligence or anything. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, you should explain who Dan Coates is. I don't think everybody knows who that is. So, uh, without looking, uh, I'll look it up. <laughs> without looking it up, I was trying to be really <laughs> super smart. Um, because uh, I know he was in Congress for a while, but let me just look this up. Um, I know what he looks. Oh gosh, there he is. We he's old. Uh, yes, he's also he very is. tall, isn't he? Like six oh, five ish. Oh, I don't know. Brother. Um, he served as the United States ambassador to Germany. Um, he was served in the House of Representatives from 1981 to 1989. He's where he served on the uh, Select Committee on Intelligence. He's he's been around. He's he's a Republican through and through. Um, mm-hmm. And like I actually, this is one of those guys where I was like, you know, the initial Trump rollout of picks. You're like, oh, well, that's not terrible. Dan right. Coates is one of those. Uh, in the same vein, that this I'm kind of getting off track here, but um, when I saw that uh, is had nominated you know, John Kyle. To yeah. fill the you know, seat left by McCain's death, I was like, "Well, there has to be a different John Kyle, right? Because there's no way that a uh, in the world of Trump, you nominate you know an old Republican hand like John Kyle. Oh, it's the same guy. Yeah, which then made more sense that he's been like basically at the forefront of the process to get Kavanaugh through the court. But exactly, yeah, it's like, oh, well, uh, that makes sense. But at the same time, like as we talked about on the last podcast. Why would they give us someone who's reasonably, you know, competent? I, I don't understand. Shouldn't we get like <laughs> I was telling a friend of mine, I thought they you know, I was honestly surprised that it wasn't Joe Arpaio. Like and so uh good luck meeting my like or your, surpassing your my lowest expectations. Low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom of the fucking barrel. Yes. It's like, it's like, oh, it's not the super racist guy. Oh, okay. That's, I'm surprised. <laughs> a super racist short guy who uh, mm-hmm. was surprised that by accepting a pardon, he admitted guilt. Hmm. About that. About that. Yes. Um, do you want to cover yeah. any more of the who's the possible op-ed author or move on from there? I think we should move on. I'm not sure there's much else to say since we are not going to find out who it is. Probably for a while. So no, and it doesn't really matter. Like it's no. Although and, uh, you know, and the whole the whole op ed thing though, like being through it, it's just it's somebody in there that trying to save their ass. Well, in pretty like, much yeah. like just trying to say like they're sick of everybody saying what a bunch of clowns everybody in the White House is because we're defending so, a clown. We're trying to help you. <laughs> Don't worry, we're we're the ones keeping his finger off of the trigger to you know create nuclear war. It's like, oh, good, so it is as bad as we all think it is. You know, what would be super helpful getting him out of power, but they're mm-hmm. not doing that. Oh, we've talked amendment. about it. Well, Lottie fucking Dodd still has to go through Congress. Like this, still the op-ed I, I felt like was just a, a way to kind of cover their own ass because when Trump is eventually out of the, out of the White House, 
then that person will be like, it was me, guys. It was me. Yep. I just sent you a uh, political cartoon that a friend of the pod, Courtney, sent me earlier today. I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. I My response was pew, pew, pew. <laughs> like, <he's> just... <laughs> Let me look at it here. <laughs> so it's Trump uh, in his uh, suit and red tie in like a, a toddler's walker chair like a baby's walker chair Mm -hmm. with a button on it (laughs) yep (laughs) with mattis saying he thinks he just knew bob (laughs) wilbert he presses the red button over and over again pew 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 pew. taking down my enemies (sighs) okay that's good that is a good one you should post that on the blog i'll uh i'll make a note of it not right now i've noticed like it's easier if i make a note while i'm editing oh that was what i was talking about um, <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, I don't think we need to spend too much more time on Trump being a petulant man child with, you know, who constantly needs to be uh, coddled because he has low self esteem. I think, uh, well, apart from. I think we're good. <laughs> apart from us talking about that and everyone else talking about that, it's fucking obvious. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, I know they talked about that. I think it was one of the podcasts from the Weeds or the Weeds podcast, like maybe last week, where one okay. of the uh, people talking was saying like, "Oh, I don't think it's fair because your children like actually learn," which is a good <laughs> point. Um, <laughs> but it just yeah, kind of makes it. If it was Matthew Iglesias or one of the other, one of the other, it was, uh, it was um, a female co-host. co-host that was saying that. Was it? Yep. Okay. So it, the it's the one in charge of their. Like they have a special female co-host last week. I think she might be one of the the, oh, it, uh, the content uh, moderators for Fox in general. Okay. Yeah, I think maybe. And I don't remember her name just because that's the one time I've heard of her. But I'll have I think to look I up think that's who it was. So, it was really good. Like because <laughs> yeah. she was talking about going to a, a birthday party. Yeah. The, the <laughs> Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Going to a birthday party and seeing a terrible child act up, and it's like, oh, I can see why people call on this. But no, the point that children actually learn and that children aren't actively trying to be assholes is an excellent point. An excellent right. point. Um, from there, I don't really, apart from maybe discussing the Woodward book, where would you like to go next, Michelle? Well, we can chat a little bit about the word book. Um, I want to say, of all of the books published since Trump was inaugurated, this is probably the one that's going to have some, probably the most credibility, um, just mm-hmm. because of Woodward's past. Yes. And, uh, in, in in researching breaking the Watergate scandal back in the early seventies, so I feel like this is a really credible journalist, as opposed to some of the other authors that have, um, you know, published yeah. damning information about the white house because we know that he's a legitimate uh, journalist who you know checks his facts mm-hmm. so i i think the woodward book is probably going to be some of the most reliable <laughs> pieces of damning information that we're going to hear about the white house agreed um i had probably read all of woodward's like the three books he'd written on the bush administration by the time that we sort of worked together at borders mm. but it's you know, this is again why you know well he's not a politician. Trump's an idiot. Like this isn't a politician <laughs> thing. 
because what's the best you thing to asshole. do is you know so woodward bush gave woodward access to the white house for his first book and after that came out got mad and tossed him out and didn't give him any access for his second book where woodward still got the inner workings basically well not basically i'd say like i think it was basically admitted like maybe 80 to 85 percent of like what was happening without uh -huh. having direct access to the white house so then bush's chief of staff brought him back for his third <laughs> book like that's oh, how like he he's in there and he's not trading favors he's not like as um Oh, speaking of Bush, uh, Ar Bush's former press secretary, Ari Fleischer, said in that Woodward has access to sources that, you know, were choose, choose to remain anonymous. They're going to embellish. Woodward isn't. They're going to embellish. So there's going right. to be a little bit of like extra gravitas to everything they have to say. But you're going to get the interesting the, the kind of the basic picture of what's going on. Um, and. Mm -hmm. The way that Obama handled this with, uh, oh, I think it was Obama's wars, where uh, I've read the book, it's, it's been a while. Um, the reporting about how Obama accidentally really pissed off Paul Ryan by dressing him down in face to face in a press conference where Obama claims he didn't know that Paul Ryan was in the audience and everyone else who was mm -hmm. there, including Paul Ryan, including his staff, was just going, no, he didn't know he was there, but it was still kind of a douche, you know, douchey kind of move. Like, okay. So Obama was mad when this stuff came out, but was like, he kind of knew it was the truth. So he didn't really complain. Right. Um, yeah. Bush did the same thing. Like, yes, he may have been like, okay, let's get this guy out of it. The white house. He's, he, you know, we don't need this around us. Then going, Oh crap! He still has the reach to get in here. <laughs> All right, let's at least get him in here so we can try and control a little bit more. Right? Yeah. Now we know where he is. At least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we let him in, <laughs> and we can see who he's talking to, as opposed to like, right. hey, why is so and so leaving the White House randomly? I don't know. Uh -huh. And that's <laughs> I'm not sure. what the. Oh my gosh! If your brain doesn't already hurt every time you hear Trump speak <laughs> listening to the tape that where Bob Woodward told Trump he was recording him. Yeah. Like, you never asked me to talk. Well, I talked to these people and I asked them to talk to me. Oh yeah. I heard about that. So why are yeah. you still complaining? And, yeah. And, so why did you just say that you never heard about it? Even though <laughs> you're just like, Oh yeah, I heard that. Okay. <laughs> and so that's already out there. All of this is already out there before Trump goes on his Twitter rants, you know, while sitting on a toilet somewhere uh -huh. and, you know, claiming that Woodward's making this shit up and, you know, the, the op-ed comes out, treason, what? Um, demanding <laughs> that, you know, the New York Times must release this information for national security. It's like, it's like the right. Pentagon Papers, but for dumb people. Uh, and just... The Pentagon and, paper for dummies. <laughs> just live with it, man. Like, you are proving his point no, like, and I have a tremendous amount of res respect for Bob Woodward, even though I like how someone described him once. He's a Republican who, you know, goes to all the hoity-toity parties everywhere on the East Coast. Yes, he has a lot of money. 
and his education is second to none. Uh huh. So that he's open to that, which maybe Trump could have gone with, as opposed to he's just a fucking liar. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. No one sticks around in journalism for that long. You know, not only winning a Pulitzer, multiple Pulitzers, I think, having movies made about the books he's written, <laughs> being an example of journalism, journalistic excellence with the whole, well, you could be the next, you know, Woodward and Bernstein without maintaining credibility. Even on the, yeah. the phone call, he, he talks to his assistant saying, these are all first-hand accounts, correct? Yes. <laughs> correct, it is. As opposed to, you alluded to this earlier with the, oh, crap, I, have a, I haven't read it. I have the book around here. Uh, something Wolf, is it Michael Wolf, where it's like, if it sounds true, I guess it might be. Right, yeah, is, the, is that the Fire and Fury Yes, one? yes. Yeah, yeah. Right, which everybody like lost their shit over, but then... It was like, well, this guy is kind of just a douchebag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should really be just upset about it. But, yeah, yeah, Bob Woodward knows his stuff, so it's going to be very enlightening. I have the audiobook on pre-order. So. Oh, is that coming out this next week? I believe so. Let's look that up. Okay. Since we got the internet and everything. Because a lot of people have gotten advanced copies, so I think yes, they're they dishing out like the juiciest parts of it. Yeah, it's like seeing a trailer. <laughs> but um, I think books like that, some of the more long-term compelling information is going to be like in between, in between the lines a little bit. So we'll see. We will see, and it's again not going to change anyone's. No, who, who no, no, it's Trump. not going to change anybody's mind. No. But at least it does it like, oh, this is a, oh, we just kind of haphazardly fell into uh, this kind of segue here. But Woodward going about this in a way that's with, and I don't know a whole lot about that. I wasn't able to cover this or even listen to much of it, read much about it. But the political theater that has been happening around Kavanaugh the past couple of days I personally am not a huge fan of what I know so far of what Cory Booker and Kamala Harris have been doing. Um, but I wanted to um, give saying that, Michelle, what do you think about, I guess, if you want to elaborate on the whole situation or just like kind of what those two have kind of made headlines for us so far? What do you think? Well, I mean, um, I guess I'll give you my reaction since now I know we're going to disagree on this. I kind of love what they've been doing. And you, we had talked about this, uh, I don't know, like what, two months ago now? Uh, what we think the Democrats should do mm-hmm. about the Kavanaugh yeah, yeah. nomination. And my, my stance then and my stance is now they should just fight like hell. Just pull, just, just go for it. <laughs> like pull all the punches. Mm-hmm be tough, be um, argumentative, be as disruptive as you possibly can be to the process, which they have done in a very, very mild-mannered way. I think what they've done is is focusing on the flaws of the procedure at hand, the flaws of Kavanaugh himself, Mm -hmm. 
and the facts that they have and also the absence of the facts that they have. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't have a problem at all with, uh, and you're right, Kamala Harris and Cory Booker have been, um, they're, they're probably the two most well-known members of this committee um, uh, from the Democratic side of things. Uh, with the capital D, the party. Um, so they're getting a lot of attention, but I, I like what they're, what they've had to say so far, because I don't think they're wrong. I don't think they're wrong to question the fact that they got 42,000 documents dumped on them 15 True. hours before the hearing began. I don't think it's wrong to point out that um, he is unwilling to answer questions uh, when, if he is going to be a Supreme court justice, those questions are going to be actually before him. He keeps doing the hypothetical quote unquote Ginsburg, dodge um and they're also pointing out that he has lied under oath under previous uh uh situations where he was uh appointed to an office so i i'm cool with it because okay. i think he's still gonna get i think he's still gonna get through because they just don't have the numbers for it um but they're gonna make it <laughs> look as awful as it as it is the fact that he might actually become a, a justice and it's <laughs> So this isn't like a wholesale disagreement um, in any way. Like I agree with actually most of the points you've made, and I probably okay. agree more. It's just I, as I said, haven't had a, a whole lot of time this week to follow it. Um, mm -hmm. So let me start with where I absolutely agree, which is um, a the dop the document dump dunk dump. There we go. <laughs> um, I've had a problem talking today on what's going on. Um, <laughs> Where and my sister brought this up on the phone earlier, which is if the guy's got nothing to hide and forgive my pronouns, um, why do this? Like, especially because, as you said, they have the fucking votes. Like, just mm -hmm. go about this in the right way. Do hearings correctly. Release all the information they're asking for. Yes, mm -hmm. everyone is going to have some skeletons in their closet. But from what I'm seeing right now. It appears as if uh, you know, Grassley and friends believe that essentially Kavanaugh is dragging a graveyard's worth of skeletons behind him, and they're trying to hide it. Which, um, right? When his the selling point is yes, he's a conservative, but he's a qualified jurist. When I see that, I go, uh, I don't know. And again, back to the point of they have the votes. What? Do you, what do you all think is going to happen if, because we've seen this with Trump, like, no one gives a shit who supports the guy. So Trump country probably isn't going to change their minds and you can get this right. guy through. And so this is kind of, I guess, um, it's not even a differing point, but how I view this is if I am a Republican I'm being transparent. Not, not that they are right now. This is what I would do. I would be transparent, release a document in a relatively reasonable amount of time. All documents. Um, yes, I don't know if there's any escaping anymore because basically whenever the de Democrats do anything, the Republicans do it, but worse. So the Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> rule is, oh, well, you know, you know, I won't talk about how I might rule on hypotheticals right now, which includes not discussing basic, uh, you know, legal shit, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah there we go. Um, 
and they won't discuss like, oh, do you think these this amendment applies to this? Do you think this law applies to that? Well, I won't discuss hypotheticals. No, this is a direct answer, which from what I understand, at a law school, you would be laughed at for going, well, I'm not going to discuss hypotheticals. That's not how right. the process works there, friend. My main thing, I guess, getting to uh, Booker, mainly more so Booker than I, I want to know what Kamala Harris has on Kavanaugh because that exchange was extremely weird where she was like, mm-hmm. who have you talked to about um, impeachment, like the Mueller investigation, excuse me, um, at the law firm that represents Trump? And he yes. looked like he's like, I don't want to f- step on a landmine, so I'm going to sit here and go, well, what do you got? Like It was very much. He, he, he said, I don't remember. Well, in, but was still trying to like you could see it in his eyes, like trying to figure out what she knew, and she's yeah. like trying to like lure him into something, and he's just trying to figure it out. So I don't know what's there. I, I hope she has something because that was he definitely looked scared, but I don't know. Um, I I feel like so I feel like that was a setup for potential perjury charges mm-hmm. because he can't. He Absolutely. obviously cannot admit that he's been he's talked to any lawyers in regards <laughs> to, to figure out what you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So if there is if there is the chance that he did have some type of discussion with a lawyer from a law firm that represents Trump during the Mueller investigation, that's that's what the question was, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at a particular law firm, um, and and if he says yes, he's done for. But if he says no, I don't and remember. She's got something on yeah. it that proves it. Well, it worked for Jeff Sessions. Yeah, I don't remember. I Eyes don't remember yep. exactly. Therefore, it's harder to prosecute perjury. So that's what I feel like that situation is. And if she, I feel like she would not have brought something like that up if she didn't have something. Also, it should be said that when. Ever he was asked about like how he would vote or rule when it comes to anything regarding Trump being impeached, he should have said, "I will recuse myself without hesitation." Right. This is and what did he say instead? Nothing. Yeah, he said, "Well, I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Not, uh, it's I'm not going to discuss. Yeah. No, you fucking bastard. You were appointed by a guy that's probably going to end up in your courtroom someday." Hmm. And what are you going to do? He is a guy that has been through this. He's put, I believe it was Justice Roberts. He helped Shepard through this situation before. So, um, yes, I understand this is all very dirty when it comes to politics. Like I said, he's got baggage. But by not at least going, yeah, this is how the game is played. Mm -hmm. It's making it look like. The guy's a goddamn murderer. And I just, from a, and this is all me. Like, this is my political stuff where I feel like the Republicans, if they wanted to kind of, you know, kind of go the high road, let the Cory Bookers and Kamala Harris and whoever else wear themselves out, you know, yelling to high heaven. You, you look better because you look like you're the adults, which they're not because you're pregnant mm-hmm. child. Um, 
but they didn't do that. Like the was it uh, what's his last or, uh, Jonathan Cornyn? Well, in going after Cory Booker, just shut the hell up, man. Uh, my <laughs> like my resignation when it comes to and I, again, I'm I fear I'm not up to date enough both on what Booker and Harris were saying but also on the things that were released in that uh, document dump is that to me as an outside viewer who hasn't had a lot of time to get into this this sort of appears to be the kind of same political theater that the GOP loves to engage in you know, I, I was just thinking, you know, Trey Gowdy, Jason Chaffetz, all those guys making repeated asses out of themselves and going after Hillary Clinton, but becoming heroes because of it. And this is nothing against Booker or Harris. It's just that was the appearance I got. And, you know, as our <laughs> I was about to say our friends, but that would give us uh, some sort of clout that we don't have particularly myself, but as the guys on, you know, Pods of America would say, we really need to be getting at you know, every level of politics to make sure that these things don't happen. Like the Republicans are obsessed with the Supreme Court because they are yeah. obsessed with minority rule because they know ultimately they can't sell their own positions. They can only force things through like this and then hope to suppress votes and get things through in other places. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, that's, uh, <laughs> and I'm just down, just completely thwarting my own argument here. Uh, I am holding them <laughs> to an unfair standard, which I should not be. But I guess the institutionalist in me just wishes this wasn't the case. Um, I wish that every Democratic senator on that committee could just get up there and go. How would you have felt about Merrick Garland? Do you think that process was fair? Mm -hmm. And you know, I I know it's you know, playing into uh, what I hate doing this whole like what aboutism thing, but this the reason Merrick Garland was never given a hearing was because Mitch McConnell was worried that some Republicans would be like, oh, this guy is a centrist, qualified justice. Or, yeah. or a jurist who we should by our constitutional duty vote yes on mm -hmm. and so he did not want that to happen right and you brought this up very early in your argument that i've gone rambled on for a while which is they've hijacked the procedures to just move anything they want to do through and shut anything they want to not go through down. Right. And I wish that, as I keep telling Republicans, oh, if you guys want to make this right, nominate Merrick fucking Garland. Like, that's <laughs> how this goes. Like You guys already stole one seat, don't steal two. Right. But, you yeah. know, as you mentioned <laughs> earlier in the conversation, but the Supreme Court, like, they're obsessed with it. So I, I'm sorry, right. I've been too long. Please go ahead. No, you're fine. But the the other important thing that the the I think the document dump demonstrates is that it's not only what the Republicans want to hide from the Democrats and from the American public, but what they want to hide from the other Republicans, mm -hmm. because there are still a couple of swing votes that 
uh, as was exposed by uh, some of the documents uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> improperly released by Booker, um, so they would be made public knowledge, uh, not only... I mean, we already heard about Kavanaugh's essay he wrote like 10 years ago that basically a president is above the law and should not be subject to investigation or subpoenas um, while unless in the White Democrat. House. Unless they're a Democrat, evidently. Um, but uh, the email that uh, in which Kavanaugh stated that he doesn't think Roe v. Wade is actually settled law. So we've got the two female Republican senators uh one from Maine, one from Alaska. You're going to have to help me identify which is which. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski. Thank you. It's been exposed that he also would be happy to overturn Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. They might lose two more votes. And when the, the numbers are that close, it's possible that Kavanaugh will not get through. So it's not just what Mitch McConnell doesn't want everybody in the, <laughs> the American people to know. It's what he doesn't want other people in his own party to know about this guy. Two things. First, uh, to your point about what you know, people in his own party, you know, they don't want him that. Excuse me. I can't talk to him. I apologize. Let's start that over. Um, <laughs> the Republicans and Grassley and McConnell, others not wanting their fellow Republicans to know, you know the things that Kavanaugh more than likely believes. Like this is just it's not even close. Um, it's very true because uh, I can't remember who was. I'll I'll try and check this out when I edit this and edit out of the show notes. But there was someone on NPR when I was driving home yesterday, and I missed the first part of the conversation when they actually introduced them. It was just going. This is what they all say. They all say these things. You know, starry decisis, all these things in their confirmation hearings. But then they go and do shit like Citizens United, where mm -hmm. that's not at all supported by precedent this is right. completely in the bag of republican conservative shit that they're just like uh, i wouldn't dare upset the you know balance of the supreme court as she yeah would. that's a fucking lie um in, in reading jeffrey tubin's book about the uh you know, 2000 recount between bush and gore in florida uh the Republicans came to play as far as the justices went. Like they were all like they already were all in lockstep with each other. We're already like kind of like, how do we do this? As where, and to say that like the the Supreme Court, they aren't politicians. They reach out to each other and try and find compromises. The conservatives on the bench were not about that at all. They just they stayed right. in their camp, and this is what they do. They say, oh, we're all about precedent. But when big things come up and they see an opportunity, they go hog wild. That's why, you know, despite the fact he's been a reliable conservative justice, Chief Justice John Roberts gets, you know, shit on by conservatives for defending Obamacare. Yeah. Even though he's been like, he agreed with the decision for Citizens United. Like, he's been there. Like, this is not anything new. Mm -hmm. So, yes, um, I, get, I mean, <laughs> to conclude my point about I wish there would not be so much political theater, I wish there wouldn't be, but that starts with everybody and it's something what about is in point. But th we have to remember that the conservative justices have not been, like, 
for as many crazy things we hear about activist judges on the left, yeah, the left doesn't usually act in concert as much as the right. Um, right, because when leftist activist judges make a change, um, all of a sudden segregation's illegal. What? And women can control their own bodies, and gay people can get married. Yes, and... What terrible things, <laughs> you know? As opposed to, let's make dark money control our political system. Let's pick a guy that didn't actually win an election. And let's this... take away those people's <laughs> rights that were given to them over the last 60 years, you know? Because, you know, racism shouldn't be a thing, so therefore it isn't. That doesn't right. make any sense. Um, but right. Before I forget, so even going to see Cecile Richards speak earlier this year, and it was great, and I recommend to anyone, man, woman, Republican, Democrat, go see her talk. She's excellent. Um, she'll change your, not change your mind, but at least you'll like you'll understand stuff. Because even as someone who, I think I'm like a lot of, if not most Americans, like a lot of white men, and that it's like, hey, um, yeah, I, I'm not in favor of birth control as a means, or sorry, excuse me, of, of abortion as a means of birth control, but um, why should I be weighing in on this? <laughs> And so, like, when I have conservative friends text me, why is there such a hang-up on abortion? I can't, like, I want to be like, I, t I want to tell them, or at least try to explain it, but I feel like I'm woefully prepared to do so. And, Michelle, this isn't just a, like, you're a woman, tell us why, but, like, <laughs> if you'd like to, and you have, like, can you please enlighten <laughs> Those of us that are like me who can't tell friends that don't understand why limiting women's access to not only birth control, but like life-saving care is a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> I know that's a tough question. I apologize. Just like, it is. So I'm going to, I, I have a, a couple of uh, religious friends that I had a discussion with many years ago. And it was very specifically about the topic of abortion. But I'm going to say something that I said to them. They didn't change their minds or anything, but I feel like they understood a different perspective. I think women should have access to abortions because if a woman doesn't have the right to control what is happening inside of her own body, it makes her nothing more than, than an incubator. Mm -hmm. And so I take that and apply that to access to healthcare of any type that a woman and her doctor feel is the right choice for her. Because if there is no choice, then she is not a person anymore. That's yes. Um. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's how I sum it up. I, if a woman can't make her own health choices, that because there's a law written by, uh, by white men saying that she can't do X, Y, or Z. And then it's because they don't look at her as a person. They look at her as, a, as an, an incubator in a womb, and that's it. And that's <laughs> that's dehumanizing and not fair. So. Oh, no. I, I think, as I said, that's very succinct, and I think it's a very good point. I think it's, to be honest, and I'm, I'm not trying to throw shade at Sil Richards here. I think she made <laughs> the point, like, with a little more, like, 
theatrics. That, that's not even fair. I'm just going to cut that part because that, that's, that's not cool. <laughs> How did cool. I describe this? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, she just used more words if that is a, if that makes sense. But I, I totally, I, I think you guys made the same, my pronouns, fuck. Uh, you both made the same point, uh, but in a different way. And I, I don't know why this can't be heard. And this isn't like, in the same way that when I told a conservative friend that and just because we think building a wall is dumb, those of us that are on the left, doesn't mean we're for open borders. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who's like, hey, like women need access, you know, to abortion and like, you know, reproductive health doesn't mean like, I'm pro baby killing. Mm-hmm. What? Like, that doesn't make sense. Um, and, I'm not going to. <laughs> While well, I was like, I'm not asking you to speak for uh, women here, Michelle. I'm not going to speak for all men. <laughs> but I feel like there's a large portion of my uh, fellow men here that we don't like hearing about your mysterious lady parts. <laughs> so uh, we can't go running to this idea that these are facts and that, like, you know, we understand what's going on. No, it's we willfully don't want to understand what's going on and just kind of tell you what to do. As you said, um, you know, we do our part and the baby comes out, right? That's how it works. <laughs> I I think it's just another way. It's I think it's another. Well, I don't think I know it's another power con- <laughs> <It's true. laughs> another power construct because so many things for women and specifically our bodies and how they function, we're made to feel shameful about. Just society as a whole, you know, 51% of the human population are female. And yet <laughs> we're still treated and like growing. we're so gross. Yeah. And we're still treated like we're so gross and so horrible. So, you know, that's all supposed to be secret and in the dark. And, you know, well, if you were just the proper person, you wouldn't need access to abortion <laughs> and you wouldn't need access to birth control. <sighs> Which... We'll get the, actually. We should have someone else do this, not me. But yeah, no, <laughs> um, no. We should not open this can of worms. <laughs> I was just thinking is, is kind of the whole basis of it, which is, um, you lady folks are all you know conquest and uh, property and you know assets that us men acquire through our manliness and mm-hmm. uh, grossness. Oh God, <laughs> grossness. <laughs> Well, I mean, if we're being fair, (laughs) you know, very, very general term, like, do you love your mother? Yes. A vast majority of people do. Well, your mother is a woman. So wouldn't you want the best for her? So why wouldn't you want the best for all women? And isn't that their determination to make? Because what if she aborted me? That doesn't make (laughs) sense. Oh, okay. (laughs) My mom didn't abort me. Yeah. Yeah. You're here, but she could (laughs) have. Well, and. Again, I love my mother. She listens to this podcast. She's very yes. supportive. But she has told me a few times I was an accident. Mm-hmm. So here I am. Like, if she was just like, fuck this, cut the, you know, we're <laughs> done, I wouldn't be here uh, filling your ears with nonsense right now. So, um, <laughs> it's, it's. I mean, to not, to like, 
to put joking aside, though, that's still never an easy choice for a woman. I so I, and I can't know, even imagine. It, like I'm not even joking. <laughs> Right, exactly. But for for people to think that abortion as birth control, like that's such a cavalier, completely wrong, terrible way to make a judgment on another human being. Because women out there that have had abortions, I am not one of them, but many women who have, it's an incredibly hard choice, painful procedure. It's not an easy choice. So to pretend like it's just, um, you know, some some easy way to get out of a situation that you are too afraid to take responsibility for. Most of the time, that's not the case at all. And there's a lot of women who have abortions for severe, horrifying medical reasons, too. Mm-hmm. It's not, I, I don't know. It's just, there's, some, <laughs> there's something really, like, sad and disgusting to just assume that if, if a woman wants access to birth control or an abortion, it's because she is a terrible, heartless human being with no soul, when really it's probably the opposite and that it's a very, very difficult decision to make. And one of the things, not that like my mind was never not in this place. Like I had a, I have a good friend, we were roommates in college and he and I used to stay up late drinking wine and playing uh, guitar hero in college. And we would talk about things like this, like abortion. And it was, you know, he said, I'm pro-choice, but, you know, if if I was involved, if this was like me in the equation and it didn't involve health, he was like, I would certainly be like, hey, let, let's have this baby. Let's do it. Like, I don't care what happens, like, you know, mm-hmm. financially, whatever. I'm like, and I thought, like, yeah, I agree with you, like, totally. But, like, and then hearing from people I know and love who had pregnancies that just didn't carry through mm-hmm. and are just, they're still heartbroken. Like, I can't even understand that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't know if men ever can, but it's just like your, your body's just going, Nope, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It just sounds so horrible. And so yeah, to your point to sit there and go, yeah, you know, I'm done. Like, I'm going to do this surgically invasive process to not only do something like that, but also, like, hurt myself. And mm-hmm. the the few people I've known that have had those for health reasons or others, you can still see the psychological trauma and pain that they're yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah, that does, that does happen quite often. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I should... You and Courtney, or you and whoever, should do a podcast without me about this. But like, yeah, it's just whenever I see that, like, people going, well, "Why are people so obsessed with abortion?" Fuck you! Like, that's not what it's about. It's about access to care. Right. Exactly. Because that's the thing. It's like there. I do believe that some people are very obsessed with abortion, but with trying to eliminate that option, they eliminate all of the other options that lead up to it like abortion is the last the last thing you really want to do so there's all these other things all these other steps preventative health care and birth control to help us not have to make that choice you know but for the people obsessed with abortion you're eliminating all those other possibilities 
at the same time. And that to me just doesn't make any sense. If you don't want a woman to have to face right. an abortion, how about you let them have access to proper health care and birth control in the first place? Yeah. You know, make birth control covered. Like, I don't know if this is still true anymore, but make access to birth control pills as easy mm -hmm. as it is to goddamn like stuff that'll make men's penises hard. Like, God damn, like, you know, male virility <laughs> is valued over important. birth control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if this is still the case, but I've seen stuff about this that um, things like tampons are still considered a luxury product. What the yes. hell? Yeah. And they have a higher tax rate. That's, Jesus. That's still true. Um, that's still true. At least as of right now. Um, Things to the Affordable Care Act, birth control is still generally covered under most health plans, but that could disappear anytime. So, and then there's, uh, I'll include this in the show notes as well. There is a video of, uh, he just has the best voice, I think, but Stephen Fry and mm -hmm. the late Christopher Hitchens are talking about how it's a debate, and I hate these kind of shows to begin with, but it's a debate show. Those two are talking about how the Catholic Church has been a negative influence on the world while a bunch of Catholics get up and say they've been a positive. And mm. you know, Fry gets up and says this. It's true that when charity organizations wanted to give out condoms for free, the Catholic League put out things that people who wear condoms get AIDS at a higher rate. And so to your point mm -hmm. that like, if you actually want to unwanted pregnancies and teenage pregnancies, condoms should be free. Birth control should be free, but that's not what it's about. It's about basically subjugating women and keeping women, for lack of a better term, as you said, incubators. Mm -hmm. And so I you rarely hear about this. I remember back to my political science classes at UNC where if a woman got knocked up you know, at any state where they couldn't, or she couldn't afford to take care of the, the baby, it was because they were stupid and did not make good life decisions. Mm -hmm. Well, you know how you can kind of fix this, right? Let's make a, because, you know, men, come on guys, y'all want to have sex. So, uh, <laughs> if you want to like make this problem go away, let's all do free birth control. Don't go. <laughs> well, no, like I want to have sex, but she's got to pay for it. What the fuck is right. wrong with you? Like, <laughs> yeah, I want to have like her, this her human urge. Her shame and, <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. To me, it's it's completely illogical. Like, if you, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Hence is our yeah. politics, which, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'm going to just throw this out there because we should probably end here soon. But, um, you know, I have a good friend, actually a husband of the friend of the pod, Courtney, who he has a degree in political science, but really dislikes it. Okay. <laughs> um, and he's like, kind of like me, where he's probably at his core, some sort of former conservative if conservatism okay. wasn't so fucked up. Yeah. Like, um, not like the Evan Burke, like, we must maintain our heritage. No, 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 fuck that. Like, 
well, let's let's uh, not have the government be the driver of shit. You know, you know, like, and let's have the government stand up for people's problems. Yeah, yeah, okay, uh, the stuff that you know isn't really conservatism anymore, and which is why we right. all flock to the left right now. Uh, but he just despises politics because he claims that people. Well, not claims he is correct in his claim that it's not logical. And it's irrational, which is true. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, but you have to think about this in the context of what it is. This is especially like when you think of Trump voters, I think in politics in general, as far as like the average voter being very into 24 hour news network, these are people that are very emotional and very self centered, which made me think back to can you think where I'm going with this? Uh, 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 no. <laughs> Borders. Because I watched a video about that when I was like, why are you such assholes? <laughs> oh, it's because they're only thinking about themselves and they're very emotional. <laughs> like when someone told me they were going to go buy this book at Hastings after Hastings has already closed while Borders was closing. Yeah. Oh, all right, cool. That makes all sense. right, good. Okay. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I should have known it. I can't believe I didn't guess it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the video. Actually, I'll put it in the show quotes. Like, it's actually pretty good, which it's a woman with, like, purple hair, like, running around. I think it was for some, like, clothing store chain at the time that was trying to teach guys, like, my pronouns again, trying to teach people how to, um, <laughs> I use guys in the phone with my niece to see me, like, oh, God. Uh, not that like it's terrible. I'm just Don't trying. Don't beat yourself up. Too I'm just much trying now. to train myself out of it. Uh, I know. I use guys all the time too. I two of my coworkers are female, and I'll walk in and be like, "Hi, guys." I that's. I think it's fair though. You know, if, if that makes sense. <laughs> I don't sense. know if it is. Um, because it, just try to get through the day without pissing people off too much. So <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to change your your colloquialisms yeah, and idiosyncrasies. So. I'm the guy, type of guy, that the world has always worked for as far as America goes. So uh, I'm trying <laughs> to get out of that, if that makes Good any sense. Good for you, sense. Noel. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but... Uh, oh, crap. I was going with this. Oh, no. It doesn't matter. It was a terrible point anyways. So, um, <laughs> yeah, because this has been... It's been like an up-and-down conversation. Uh, yeah. Do you have a good thing of the week? I don't... I don't. I've just been really busy, but I want to uh, yeah. let's do this. No, I do. Cause, so my good thing of the week was going to be something else we talk about, but since we didn't, uh, it is now my good thing of the week. And that is Nike's new campaign with Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the poster came out, I think I chatted it and sent it to you like, yes. right away, like, yep. the moment I saw it. And I was like, yes. Have you watched the commercial? I have not, although football did it's, drop this evening. That's right. It dropped during the football game tonight. Um, I didn't see it there. I watched it on YouTube. But anyways, uh, it's it's kind of a long ad. It's not two minutes, but it's. Uh, I think it is quite stunning, and I love how it's pissing off all the angry <laughs> white people that his kneeling did when he was still in the league. So I'm all about it. Um, I, I think it's cool. I love it. I love what it represents and for. It's very beautiful. 
uh, in the ad. And uh, I think it's rad. That's my good thing of the week. So, um, oh no. <laughs> what? Oh, there we go. Um, so this isn't really my good thing of the week because I'd read this book over the summer, but since we were on hiatus, um, to piggyback off of your good thing of the week, Michelle, I'm going to go with, mm-hmm. uh, and I know this is going to be tough if you are not a, well, if you're someone like me who doesn't want to be uncomfortable, but read The Heritage by Howard Bryant. It's, I was trying to explain to a conservative friend this week how mm-hmm. no matter what you think of, you know, because we call him Kaepernick, he, like, he wore those socks. He was, you know, he said good things about Fidel Castro. Yeah, years ago, but look at what he's done now. And what I think is so excellent about what I read in the heritage is that almost through youthful exuberance, Colin Kaepernick felt ass backwards into a problem that has existed for decades where, Mm. you know, he thought he was just bringing, you know, attention to a very worthwhile cause, which is, you know, police killings of, uh, you know, black men in this country. Like, Yes, we can say under black people, but you know, it's a it's a problem. Like it's police violence towards you know, black men and women, and not only that, it's just a system to again. I'm not trying to shit on police officers. It's a system that has been set up by white America to be this way. Like you haven't talked about this last year uh, on the podcast where it was uh, you know Chris Hayes' book, a, a colony and a nation. Like, there is just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's set up to be this way, and so I think the heritage to me, I was like, what, the, what? I never think about this stuff. You think about all this in the context of sports, mm-hmm. and so when it's you know stick to sports is brought up, and reading this book, you're going, oh, I see. This was never a stick to sports thing. This is hey, um, we want you know, this is how the white system wants things to work. And this is how it has to keep working. So, you know, I I really, really admire what Kaepernick is doing, not just for the like, community, but um, I really admire the fact that I think he kind of inadvertently fell into this problem. And mm-hmm. he hasn't, he's gotten better and better at it. Like he's, he, he and he's hardly, yes. The best thing about this is he's hardly said a word. Exactly. Everybody's losing their their effing minds, he and he hasn't working. said a peep exactly. And in then Nike, this giant evil corporation, like saw this <laughs> opportunity, and I mean, is that not the definition of capitalism? Was like, here's an opportunity to make more money. Guess what? We're gonna back the guy that pisses off everybody that doesn't buy our products, anyways. Perfect. <laughs> That's right. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful marriage of different types of intentions. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> Good for Kaepernick. <laughs> and I doubt he's making a ton of money off of this because it, that's been also, I guess this is my ultimate good thing of the week is if you have not been keeping up with what Kaepernick has been doing, mm-hmm. you can say like he's an opportunist. What the fuck money has he made off of this? Like he's well, been like. Supposedly it's been a multi-million dollar contract, but. Which, At the same time, he's doing a lot of good stuff in the world. Yeah, right yeah, and he's 
he's continued to like this is kind of where I'm going with this with the like the piggy socks accusation and the you know what's wrong with Fidel Castro is he's grown and we should all want to grow as mm-hmm. Americans and I know this is rough but we should all want to grow in our knowledge of kind of like that's why the title is so excellent is the heritage like you, you hear like it's heritage not hate when it comes to the stars and bars and stuff like that mm-hmm. no this is stuff it's it's not gone it's still here this is stuff that was never too far below the surface but a certain um you know pant shitting asshole president has brought to the surface it made it okay again like no if you actually want to understand these kind of things read books like the heritage you know mm-hmm. listen to what call it captain say yes he is an athlete but he he's trying he's trying as opposed to uh everyone who supports trump i'm sorry <laughs> um but i'm gonna go with that and yeah so uh my good thing of the week just picking off your viewers, Michelle, which is plugging the heritage, Black Athletes Divided America and the Politics of Patriotism by Howard Bryant, available everywhere you buy books, uh, as well as Audible. It's not a cheap one, it's uh, about 20 bucks or one credit. So pick it up, it's it's great. Like the reading, if you do the audiobook, is good. So that's mine. Okay. Um, so anything else, Michelle? No, I think that's it. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to hit the end of this recording. I'm going to tell you something afterwards. Okay. <laughs> I hate-